Hello, folks. Welcome to the Solar Fit Renewable Energy Show. Bill Gallagher again with you this morning, and I'm here to report our weather is gone downhill. It is raining outside for the first time in, in quite a long time. In fact, yesterday it felt just like Chicago out here, a little bit overcast. We're coming to you from our studio in beautiful Daytona Beach, Florida. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to our friends at Daytona Dodge Chrysler Jeep and Ram for their loyal support and for their efforts in the race to stop suicide and for everybody for pitching in and helping us with that cause. A uh, special uh, shout-out to Daniel Dye. He'll be driving in the Craftsman Truck Series this year, starting at the Daytona well, like the day before the 500, really, really excited about that. So anyway, I've got a very special guest with me and my friend, Mr. Chris. Silkop. I wanted him to pronounce it because it's really cool. Silkop. Mr. Chris Silkop, yeah. the president of the YMCA locally. Chris, welcome to the show. Well, Bill, thank you for having me. I'm really enthused to be here. Thank you. Well, we've been uh, friends for a while now. We're members of the CEO Exchange. That's kind of fun, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I, it's very uh, informative to find out what other businesses are doing and what, what business practice that they're putting into to their companies to, to make a change. So, yeah, I, I get a lot out of it. You do. You've been, uh, you're from DeLand initially, right? Born and raised. The land, Florida, that's about, what, 20, 27 miles from here, west? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just 30 miles from the beach to the land. It's, it's a good location. Okay, so what, uh, where did you go to school initially? Uh, well, the land, and then I went one year to land high school. Then my last two years, I finished at Father Lopez. Father Lopez. Yeah, so, uh, so half my, I have one foot on the east side of the county, and I guess one foot on the west side of the county. <laughs> well, Father Lopez has really grown, hasn't it now? It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I was on the old campus over there on Mason and Nova. <laughs> I remember that very well. Well, Chris, you've done a, a tremendous job with the YMCA. Before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about your uh, athletic prowess. You are a, 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 a Paralympic? Right, Paralympian. Yeah, so age seven, uh, I fell off a riding lawnmower, and it chopped up my right foot below the knee, so they had to get amputated. I uh, grew up playing sports. All my older brothers and sisters played, played sports, so it was natural that I you know, kind of tag along when they played. And uh, Youngest of five. And, uh, and my father actually was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals. Wow. Yeah, a uh, long time ago. And uh, as a shortstop, and he was six foot two. So it kind of gives an idea back in the 60s, just how 50s, how unusual that was. And then, yeah, then I, I went along, played high school sports, high school basketball, baseball, football, all with a wooden leg. Uh, literally, it was a wooden leg. And uh, in my 20s, I found out about the Paralympics uh, and uh, for uh, athletes who are physically challenged with a disability. And, and I found out there was volleyball. And so I, I started playing. And after one tournament, I went from the B team to the, the A team and stayed there as the start middle blocker in the U.S. team for the next uh, I don't know, eight, nine years. Uh, played in 96 in Atlanta and played in 2000 in Sydney, Australia. And after that, uh, studying volleyball was disbanded and they, something called sitting volleyball where it's a, it's a lower net uh, about the size of a racquetball court and much faster game. And it's big over in Asia, well, in Africa and Europe. They actually have pro, pro leagues over there in clubs. And I've been playing that uh, since 2001. Just got back from Sarajevo two week, weeks ago, playing the World Championships. Jeez, wow. So they have special chairs? No, 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 no. You actually sit on the ground. You sit on the ground and you scoot, scoot around on, on the ground. So um, a lot of the disabilities are like birth defects. People who have one leg longer than the other or um, muscle loss. Uh, in the U.S., it's more of the uh, amputees who play. We have... Uh, Four, five guys on our team that were wounded in the mil- military. Uh, one was um, 
in a Humvee that ran over an IED. Another guy was a, a bomb bomb disposal unit, and he actually walked over one of those Iranian pl- plastic mines and blew off uh, both his legs below the knee. So we have a lot of amputees that, that, that play also. I, I just can't even imagine. So you're on the ground, right? Yeah. I mean, and how high is the net? The net's about three and a half feet, about the height of a desk. Is, is the height of it. So kind of half half my forearms will reach over the net. Um, and when you make contact with the ball, one of your butt cheeks has to be on the ground. Holy man. So, yeah. So if you're not, they call it butt lift. That's what we call it. Jeez, that yeah. is amazing. Now, is that televised? Is there somewhere where people watch that? Uh, it, it was. It was televised in Bosnia, World Championships. Um, but you can go on the internet. So if you go on the YouTube channel, uh, you type up uh, World Paravali. Is the name of the governing organization worldwide, and they have all the games up there recorded. And they, they were live as they were going on YouTube, but you can go back and see it. And the other thing I play is actually beach. So standing volleyball beach is actually a thing for, for Paralympics. Uh, we'll know in January if it's included into the L.A. 2028 games, which we've been trying to get into. So that's a three-person beach, the same as you would for able body. And I have a tournament next week actually in Tavares, where we have a team from Australia coming over, supposed to be a team coming over from India. I don't know if they're going to make it or not, and then maybe a South American team for an international tournament. Um, we won the world championship in that in 2018 in Pingtan, China. So that was, that was very exciting. That is amazing. You do a lot of traveling. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 it, it sounds more than what I really do. It's probably maybe two or three international trips a year, maybe four at max. So what's it like when you go over there? Doesn't it take a while to get acclimated? Oh, flights in China. Oh, yeah, it does. It, the flight there isn't as bad as the flight back. It takes me about a week to get my sleep pattern back after I come back from Asia. Uh, when you get there, pretty much you know, for some reason, one night, two nights, you're okay. But, man, one time I had, had back-to-back months where I got back from uh, – uh, China, and then uh, three weeks later, I had to leave and go play in Europe, and I didn't sleep right for like a month. <laughs> it was it wasn't it wasn't fun. That has to affect your performance, doesn't it? Yeah, somewhat. Um, I've been around long enough where I, I kind of manage my 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 skill set and my time and my body, so I know what I'm doing. Uh, but yeah, it can if you're new to it and you don't pay pay attention to what needs to be done. Well, you're in excellent condition, and you're six foot six. Yeah, yeah, six 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 six. six holy mackerel! Yeah, <laughs> that's up there. So your your conditioning is really really important, right? What you eat. Yeah, what what I eat, I pay attention to it. Uh, I'm six six. I was probably one ninety four most of my career. I'm blown up to two ten, but it's been muscle gain in the past year. It's but I do the same thing all the time. I do the same exercise routine. I don't change it because. Uh, I I know I won't get hurt. <laughs> so so people say, hey, you do the same work all the time. I said, yeah, because I know I can manage myself. And and at fifty three, and I'm by far the oldest guy playing. Still, uh, I have to be very conscious of what I'm doing because uh, when you're this old, as as everyone know, as as you know, when you get hurt, it takes longer to heal. And so I, again, I hurt my shoulder actually the last match in Sarajevo against Germany, and um, and it's, uh, hopefully it's not too bad, but it still still hurts from two weeks ago. So most of your uh, your training would be upper body and core. 
Yeah, a lot of core, a lot of upper body. I, I mean, I do legs also, but um, a lot of it's just uh, stretching. So every morning I get up and there's uh, probably about uh, 12 yoga stretches that I do. It's not really yoga, it's just the yoga stretches part, part of it. And um, I do it every morning when I get up, back, legs, shoulders, everything. Well, you're the perfect guy for the YMCA because that's, <laughs> that's what it's all about, right? That's all about health and youth and everything. Talk about the why. Talk about the uh, inception of the why, if you will. Well, the why actually started in London, England, uh, 18, what was it, 1864, I, I believe. Um, then he got brought over to Boston and uh, around 1890, I believe. And then Boston had the first YMCA in, in the States. And then this area, actually, people don't realize it started in 1910, when a group of people went camping on the shores of Camp Winona or Lake, Lake, Lake Winona out of the New Smyrna area. And that's kind of where Camp Winona started was around, around uh, 1910. And then some buildings were in Daytona Beach at the time. And, but the real momentum came around 2008 when we merged the West Volusia YMCA and the Greater Daytona Beach YMCA into one organization that's countywide. And, and that's what we have currently. So how many Ys are there here now? There are seven Ys. Uh, you have Camp Winona, as I mentioned, but then you have a YMCA in Deltona, Deland, Edgewater, Port Orange, Holly Hill, and Ormond Beach. So the one at Camp Winona, that's also a, a quote-unquote camp, right? That's- yeah, it's a residence camp. So in the YMCA world, you have what we call residence camps, and then you have full facilities, and those are your, your branches you go for programming. Uh, residence camp, we host groups to stay overnight. Uh, schools come in for outdoor ed. You have your traditional summer camp during the seven weeks of summer where you send your child for a week or two or three or sometimes the whole summer. Um, and that makes up uh, the lion's share of our business model out there at the summer camp and then the rentals from churches or schools or business organizations or Girl Scouts, Boy, Boy Scouts uh, to do activities out there during the, during the year. So, you know, when you think of YMCA, you think of youth. But, you know, when I go to some of these Ys now, boy, that's populated by as many, just, just about every age group you can think of. Yeah. In fact, I would say maybe 40% of our membership is actually over the age of 60 years old. Uh, you have a lot of what we call third party. Those are silver sneakers who come in and who are part of the YMCA membership. Um, it's. I think a lot of it has to do with... Uh, Many of the older generation are comfortable with the YMCA because they went to it when they were kids. And, and we have a lot of people who moved down from up north. And the northeast has a ton of YMCAs. And so when they move down, it's familiar as opposed to some other places that may be chains of, of fitness centers or new, new spots. So it, 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 you know, that's part of the YMCA is, is everyone knows what it's all about. And, and they're familiar with it. So it's, it's really one of the original nonprofits, right? Yeah, it was, you know, the YMCA invented a lot of stuff that people don't realize. Father's Day came out of the YMCA, out of Seattle. Uh, the first pro football team was actually a YMCA uh, team. The uh, National ne- Negro Baseball League started in the Kansas City YMCA. Um, the first indoor pool with a filter was a YMCA pool in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, here's something that, that a lot of people don't know. The uh, U- USO, the big military entertainment organization in World War II, that was started by the YMCA. 
So what happened during the First World War, the YMCA did such a good job uh, taking care of the soldiers in Europe with, with the coffee houses and things of that nature, that the government went to the Y and said, hey, help us, help us design this for, the, for World War II when, when it started. And that's how the USO came, came to be. That's an amazing history. Yeah, I mean, the YMCA has a tapestry through a lot of, of American history. People don't realize volleyball, bas- bas- basketball, rules for so- softball was drawn, up, was drawn up for the YMCA in Denver, Colorado, and racquetball, same situation. So I often joke, if we get some of the royalties from the NBA, I won't have to worry about finances. <laughs> Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head. What I was thinking is a lot of these people that are 60 years old, they grew up, YMCA was their staple. They they went there when they were kids, and it's like, you know, I mean, it used to be. Didn't they used to have uh, dormitories and stuff too? Yeah, I, I heard a stat, and I don't know if it's accurate, but I heard a stat that before 1965 or 1960, the YMCA was the largest hotel chain in the U.S. Oh. Yeah, and then, of course, you had Holiday Inn came along and took that over. And there are still are some YMCA's that have dormitories. Not so many. I know New York has one. I think Ash- Asheville still has one. But yeah, the YMCA, of course, you have you know the Village people who made that whole song about staying at the YMCA. Yeah, it, it's more common in the Northeast. There's still a few around, but um, it's not a business model that's really um, being followed through on currently. Most of them have like uh, gymnasiums, basketball and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, they'd have those on the upper floors or even a pool on the upper floor. But those buildings are so old now, the maintenance on them. And it's, it's, a lot of YMCA's are sell, selling those buildings and they're being torn down for, for better developments. Well, that's not really happening here because of your leadership. There's a lot of stuff that's going on. Well, we had a chance to visit the one in, YM, uh, in Ormond Beach, the YMCA. Man, that thing is. That thing's rocking. Yeah, that uh, boy, that's a success story. That YMCA has been uh, hurting financially for decades, and and so uh, Charlie Lidecker and a number of other people in Ormond Beach rallied and uh, did a fundraising effort for that YMCA, and we were able to renovate the basketball gym and turn it into a wellness center. I can tell you that since uh, March of this year, when it opened up, that YMCA has increased their membership by forty eight percent. Wow. Yeah, so so now that YMCA is is financially strong, and we're going to start phase two renovation next year. Uh, that location, and then phase three soon afterwards. So it has two more phases coming, uh, but um, it's it's doing well. I mean, we're very happy with with the response the community has had with that YMCA. He's well done a tremendous job, Chris. Hey, folks, hang on a, little, a minute. We'll be right back. Take a short break. Back back with you. Hi folks, Bill Gallagher with SolarFit here. Have you ever thought about utilizing solar power for your home or business? Well, there's never been a better time to plug into the sun and stop renting electricity. How would you like to let your roof start paying you each month? Give us a call at 445-7606. That's 445-7606. Or visit us at SolarFit.com and set yourself free. SolarFit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. Hi, folks. Bill Gallagher, SolarFit Renewable Energy Show. I'm back here with Chris Seelkop, and we're talking about the YMCA. started out with uh, Ormond Beach, and I visited there, gosh, a couple of weeks ago. Chris, thank you very much for uh, allowing us uh, 
the CEO exchange to come by for a visit. It was pretty darn cool. So you have some really, really cool plans for that. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we recently signed a sponsorship deal with Halifax Hospital. And Halifax has always been a big supporter of the YMCA. We have their healthy living centers and four of our Ys to bring in some of the most cutting-edge, high-tech health uh, initiatives out there. So, of course, we have the blood pressure bon- monitors, blood pressure monitors going to all of our wellness centers, but then we're going to have um, uh, body fat analysis machines to go in there. Uh, we're going with uh, some um, online, and we say online, people think, think of their house, but it's online at the Y. So, we'll have a group exercise class or a spin class every hour, and it'll be taught by someone someplace else. So, there's a program we're going to, similar to how the Peloton is where you have a Peloton and you do it. It's like that, but it's going to be for whole classes for group exercise. So every hour, so in case your schedule, you can't make the five o'clock class, but maybe you can make a four or three, three o'clock class. You just come in and, and roll right in and we'll have a big projection screen and we'll have someone teaching every hour. So that's one of the things that we're, we're doing. Um, down the road, uh, we're also redoing all the YMCA. So Port Orange is next. Uh, big Port Orange is going to be a big, probably half million dollar renovation of that facility. We're still finalizing some of the details of it, but we're going to be bringing in something called eGym, which is a completely computerized fitness equipment. So you get on it, and it'll measure your body, and it'll set your weight and your seat height and everything automatically. So you don't have to keep track of anything anymore. You you have a little wristband, you put it up to the machine, and and it'll set everything according to your strength level. It's in uh, 2,000 gyms in Europe. And uh, it's in a few uh, gyms in Jacksonville. The wise have it. And the seniors in particular have really responded well to, to the equipment. So those are a few of the high-tech things we have coming. The, uh, the heart rate monitors we're rolling out into all of our YMCA's for classes. So you can keep track of your heart rate while the class is going on in case the instructor needs to motivate someone a little bit more than, than how, they're, how they're going. And we'll have competitions with that. Um, like I said, we just we just got done Ormond renovation. Southeast Edgewater had their gym renovated. Uh, Holly Hill has had their gym renovated. Next up is Deland. They're going to have renovation going in the first two weeks of December. Then after Deland will be four towns in Deltona. They're going to have their renovated in February, and then the last one will be Port Orange because Port Orange is going to be a major total facility makeover, and it's very very exciting about that. You know. It, it, it's it's just incredible when you think about it. Talk a little bit, uh, Chris, if you would, about the value of exercise and how that relates to uh, your mental uh, capabilities. Yeah, I, you know, people think uh, I look much much younger than what my my true age is. They're surprised when I tell them how old I am. I think some of it's genetics, but I think I think uh, you know a lot of it is, is a stress reliever for it when you exercise as a CEO, you know, there's a lot of stress, especially through COVID, you know, we had a lot of stress on a lot of businesses and, and the why, you know, suffered greatly during, during the COVID shutdown. Um, but it's the exercise that gets you through it is, is that, 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 um, stress reliever. And as you know, stress is a killer, you know, and you be able to manage your stress, be able to manage your weight, um, the more you exercise, I, I say the more you can cheat on your diet, <laughs> Uh, but, um, you know, and it's also the other part of it is social. 
So many people use it as their social outlet. Uh, we have a lot of seniors who've told me, oh, this is my, my, my social time of my entire day. And you create a bond of people and friends at the Y that you look forward to seeing. And when you're not there, they call you up, hey, where you at? They check on you, make sure you're okay. So there's a huge social part of it that goes along not only with the, the physical part and the stress reliever, but it, it's having that, that bond with other individuals. And the YMCA, we say, is a de facto community center. That's, you know, we, the Y does more than fitness. We've talked about fitness, but we have child care and we have swim lessons and, and um, water aerobics. But it's, it's youth sports. But it's everyone is coming in and, you know, we know your name. You know, it's, it's, it's home away from home. It's, it's where you feel comfortable. Some people can let their guard down. It's, and, and it's amazing. We'll have people, we have financial assistance. So the YMCA never turns anybody away for inability to pay. And last year we gave out over $300,000 in financial assistance and membership and in uh, programming like, like, like swim lessons, summer camp, after school care. But the beauty thing about the Y is that you could have someone on financial assistance working out or swimming in a lane right next to someone like Charlie Lightdecker, who's a multi-millionaire. So we, that's the beauty thing about the Y. You have all parts of society together, mingling, interacting, and it's just uh, it's just a, a fantastic organization to be be a part of and support. Yeah, you made a very important uh, comment about COVID and how it affected all businesses here. And we were obviously, everyone was part of that. And how you have recovered from that and, uh, and prospered is really, really impressive. Well, thank you. Yeah, we lost 55% of our membership base. So you, you know, any business, you lose 55% of your revenue off the top. You're going you're gonna to suffer. Uh, we had to change our business model, to be honest with you. We had to streamline. We had to let go 40% of our full-time staff, but enable us to create a, a, a much leaner organization, and we're much more strategic on how we hire back. Now, we've hired back heavy on the maintenance side because our buildings need a lot of help. I realize that. And, but we've been very strategic on where we hire back, what areas. We've done usage census. Our, our, the usage of our buildings have changed since COVID. So what people use has actually changed. Cardio equipment is not used nearly as much as it was pre-COVID. Our programming has come back stronger. So our membership isn't quite back to what it was pre-COVID, but our youth sports, our summer camp, our after-school care, our swim, swim teams, swim lessons, all those numbers have exceeded the pre-COVID numbers. So is, we've had to you know, make some adjustments like everyone else. We had a streamline. And, and, you know, uh, we had some things in the plans for the organization. I did. And COVID just kind of accelerated those, those plans. You know, uh, another thing you mentioned is, is the social part of it. When you go to a, a, a quote-unquote gym and there's weights and things like that, you really don't have that, do you? I mean, you, it, it's very limited because everyone's trying to get on the next piece of equipment. They don't take time to talk to each other. The why is different. You've got, you've got little places where you can uh, – sit back and talk to people and recreate and cool. yeah yeah when we design wise we design social areas on purpose so we design lobbies we design areas where people can can congregate and and get to know know each other um i i think you know i think other fitness centers you, you do ha- have that you have the, the people but it depends on on you know the atmosphere and it's just um everyone's familiar with the why they're they're comfortable they they, they know that the staff is is not there to make money; they're there to help help the community, 
and and he said people work at the Y. It's a mission for for them. They're not. If you're at the YMCA work and you're not there for the paycheck, I, I can guarantee you that you're there because you want to make a difference in somebody's life, and and sometimes that's what separates the Y from from other organizations. The other thing I think is cool about it is having the ability to have uh, swimming. A lot of the gyms don't have that that asset, and boy, that is so important in it. Oh, uh, swim swim lessons. Uh, one of the big pushes we have is drowning prevention, and uh, it's it's, it's front and center in what we do but what people don't understand is that pools do not make money uh we'll lose and i don't get into the the, the weeds here but the average ymca will lose about one hundred ten thousand dollars a year operating a, a pool with lifeguards chemicals gas so that money has to be made up someplace and generally it's made up in the membership model but but some lessons is is something that um you know as the other thing during covid that happened was nobody taught Nobody certified instructors during COVID. So you had all of these instructors whose certifications ran out because nobody was holding classes. So, so now you don't have, it's hard to find certified instructors to teach uh, classes after COVID because, and then your demand went skyrocketing because also during COVID, nobody taught classes. So now you have twice as many kids that need to learn how to swim with half as many instructors. And so that we, I think we finally gotten that, you know, that process and those numbers down to pre-COVID levels. But that was for two years. That was a stress on us trying to find instructors and then trying to get them certified and then trying to get enough classes and people. We had to put people on waiting lists for, for swim classes and something you don't want to do because that's a life-saving program. But you know, I think we've gotten past that and I think we've gotten that, that, um, that little pig in the python type. You know, bulge out, and and we're back to normal operations. So, what do kids? What age do kids learn how to swim? Is it up to the parents? Yeah, it's up to the parents. I mean, you can you can try not learn to swim, but you can try to have them be uh, drown proof. You have infant classes that you see people you know having their kids in the water so they can get familiar with what they fall in. I'm not an aquatic expert. I don't know. I can't tell you when you should start having classes. I can tell you just tell you that's how early it goes to. Um, you can start at two, three, four years old. I'd say at least you know four or five. You want you want them in classes by that age. But you could probably start sooner than that. But again, I don't profess to be an expert in aquatics. It's the only area in the YMCA I didn't work at when I was coming up through the ranks. Yeah. Well, it's that's a that's a great form of exercise too, isn't it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's sw- swimming is something you do for your entire entire life. It's it's a sport that you know, and it's also great because it's easy on the joints. So a lot of people who have knee operations, hip issues, knee issues, walking in water is such a great rehab because it takes the buoyancy, takes the pressure, the body weight off the joints. So even walking in there, but swimming. Uh, it's such a great cardio exercise, and it's it's easier on on your joints. Yeah, what's the perfect temperature? <laughs> are, you, are you trying to sell your solar fit for us out there? Is that what you're doing oh, here? God, God. No, I'm just curious. Is it like 82 or something? <laughs> that is the ongoing fight. That's it. Yeah. That we have on the pool deck. You have the lab swimmers want it cooler. Yeah. You have the water aerobics want it warmer. So it depends who you ask. If you ask a lap swimmer, they're going to say they want it at around 74 degrees. If you ask a water aerobics, they want it around 85, 80, 83 wow. degrees. So 
And it, and it takes 24 hours to change the pool like three degrees. It's not like you can do it in a few hours, especially when you have a pool as big as Ormond or Port Orange. Uh, so that's that's um, a battle that, that, that we have to kind of navigate through as staff to try and make sure everyone's happy. I didn't know there was that much of a variance. Oh, boy, you have no idea. <laughs> well, that's cool. Well, you've done a you've done a heck of a job there, Chris. So uh, YMCA right here in Holly Hill, you've regenerated that. That's pretty darn cool. Yeah, yeah, we're really proud of the Y here in Holly Hill. We did some really unique things with that YMCA with with a fifteen dollar membership because we when I took over, uh, Joe Forte, the city manager, said, "Hey, we want more people in the Y. We want more people coming through the community." So I lowered the price down, and and we did a few things. We lowered the price on it. We also made the pool year round. So, Somewhat, so we have open in the winter months, and then we recently uh, installed a whole new line of equipment, the Nautilus One, and we've redone the fitness center in there. And um, it's it, and the community responded. And the other thing we did, we went twenty four hours, so all of our YMCA's are twenty four hours, and that was a big, big hit in Holly Hill. Because what I've noticed in my past Y experience is that the blue collar communities, those are the ones that respond the most to the 24-hour because the, they're the individuals that have the, the schedules that can't get in here during normal times. They need to have the 10 o'clock or the 4 in the morning. And when we have 24 hours, we think, oh, what about the people coming at 2 a.m.? Trust me, no one comes in at 2 a.m. to work out. The bulk of the people for 24 hours come in an hour and a half, two hours before you open up or an hour and a half to two hours after you open up or on a Saturday night or on a Sunday night or Sunday morning. That's the majority of people. They're not in there at midnight or 3 in the morning. Right. That, that doesn't happen. No, not very really. Well, we're almost out of time, Chris. Well, thank you uh, for coming in today, and thank you for what you do for our community. It really is important. To oh, it's, I'd say what, it's, it's, it's a labor of love. Uh, I enjoy it. It's something different every day, which makes it exciting. Okay, what's the next uh, competition for you? Uh, we have a training camp in, in the Olympic Training Center in January, and, but the next big competition I don't think is until May in Edmonton, Canada. It's a qualifier for the 2024 Paralympics in Paris. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Well, folks, if you're out there listening today, take time to stop by your neighborhood YMCA here in Ormond and Holly Hill, uh, Port Orange, Deltona, wherever the land. Stop by and have a visit. I know you'll be very happy. Thanks again, Chris. Oh, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Okay, man. Have a good weekend, folks. You too.